Hey, this is Alan from Praise. So glad that you are checking out this message from our Sunday morning service. We're right in the middle of a series about the Holy Spirit. All we're doing is we're reading about how the Holy Spirit has moved in ages past in order to better understand how he might move today in unique ways where our world might be primed for him to move in our midst. We're calling it the Holy Spirit, rethinking the spirit of our age. Thank you again for checking it out. And I just believe that God's going to move uniquely in your life as a result. God bless. Several weeks back, uh, we put a survey in the message notes, um, just asking a, a few simple questions. And so I want to share the results of that with you. Really very straightforward. Actually, I think there were three questions to it. Um, but just really simple survey. Um, and we had great responses. About 50% of the people who were in the room uh, uh, responded to it. The rest of you are bums. <laughs> uh, but, and probably the fact that you didn't participate may have skewed the results. Some, who knows. Um, but I wish more people would have participated. Even still, it was a great turnout. 50% of those people asking them to do a survey, doing a survey. Most people, at the moment you tell them a survey, they're going to be like, you're going to try to sell me something. And so they don't fill it out. But, but of those who were here, about 50%, as far as we can tell, uh, filled out that survey. And so I want to give you the results right now. How much, essentially, asking the question, how much of praise has been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Here's the results. So 81% of those who responded have been baptized in the Spirit openly. That's higher than I would have expected. Um, and I think that there's uh, probably a little bit of a skew to that. You know, um, uh, maybe some who didn't respond were, were no, who knows. Um, but there's a couple of things I would take from that. First, this survey was in the message notes. So the only thing I can take from that is um, you should be taking notes in church because if you are, you'll get more of the Holy Spirit in your life because the people who were on message notes were filling it out and more of them are filled with the Spirit. Okay, okay. Um, so take notes. Uh, I do wonder though, sometimes with surveys, you get the answer you are looking for with the questions you ask. So I don't know how much that skewed the results. But 81% of those who responded said they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 9% said maybe. 10% said no. Of the 81%, 10% also said I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I have never spoken in other languages as the Spirit has given me the ability to. So that's kind of the results of the survey. Um, what I would take from this is, is this. Number one, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't think, well, I'm, 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 I'm in the minority or I'm not, um, I'm, I, I don't fit with everybody else. Instead, think of it like this, that you are surrounded by people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what we found was that those who have said it has made a remarkable difference in their lives, overwhelmingly. And so you are surrounded by people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and most of them are not weird. <laughs> and the ones who are weird are weird in a good way. Really, truly, that's how I think we should take this, is that you are surrounded by people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, where it has made a huge difference in their lives, and as a result, good things have happened for them. So pursue it, seek it, continue to press in along with us as we press into more and more and more of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay. Come on, are you going to come with me on that? Okay, cool. Awesome. 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 all of us. Um, specifically, what I want to talk about is how do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because this is one of the biggest things that regularly I'll get questions on is people will come to me and say, how do I know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me and or when it is just me? And I've also heard from others, and I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation where maybe a pastor or preacher got up on stage and said, you know, God told me this. Um, the Spirit told me that. Jesus showed me the other day this. And often what will happen is for people who don't have those types of experiences, that then what it does is how, how come I don't have 
the Spirit speaking to me like that? Why doesn't Jesus show me things like he shows him things or her things? Like, and so sometimes it can actually create a distance. And some people are like, well, how come I'm the only one who can't hear the Holy Spirit? The whole point of Pentecost, though, is that he has poured out his spirit on all flesh. And so we don't need a Moses to come down from the mountain anymore and say to us, here is the Holy Spirit for you. We no longer need an Elijah to pass his mantle to Elisha. And then Elisha is the one we all gather around and listen to see what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now the Spirit has been poured out on all of us. It's like Oprah. You get the Holy Spirit and you get the Holy Spirit. You all get the Holy Spirit. Like... That's the experience of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit for everybody. So if that's the case then, and we want to be able to hear the Holy Spirit, then what we need to do is to know what that is like. And so for today's message, very simply, it's called with wonder or with wisdom and wonder. With wisdom and and wonder. If you are the type to take notes, this would be a really great message to take notes on. I know it's not always easy to follow along as Alan is talking about something. It's, it's sometimes more difficult to follow me and take notes specifically um, with me than maybe others. But today is very much a note Sunday. So this would be a great message to just everything I say. Um, uh, when I put it up on the screen, that's when you're like, oh, type it in, put it down. This is, there's some good stuff here today. Not that normally there isn't, but today, especially there will be. Here's what I'm going to do though, to start with. I want to lay out for you some of the premises that I'm, I, I, that are building the foundation for what I'm about to say. So, so the premise, the thing that goes before that maybe isn't mentioned, but often is the foundation to everything we build on, I want to start by laying out three of those for you. These are, you might not agree with them, but, but these are the premises, the, the premises that I am laying out, everything I say is built on these truths, okay? Number one, that the Holy Spirit is the image of God in humanity. Now that's a big one. That's a really big one. And that comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where when we were made in the image of God, it was the breathing into them. That breath is the word that's used for the Holy Spirit. So this is pulling from Genesis 2, 7. It's all from Genesis 2, 7. It's all from Genesis 2, 7. It's all from Genesis 2, 7. It's all. The second premise is that the Holy Spirit is the source of our wisdom and intelligence. The Holy Spirit is the source of all humanity's wisdom and intelligence. We're pulling that from Genesis 41, verses 38 through 39. You also find it in Proverbs. You also find that as the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus, that it is a, 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 the spirit of wisdom. That So, so from what we're saying is, is and, and this is also one of those, you can go back and listen to one of the messages as part of the series called Discovering Our Disenchantment. Check that one out because there you'll see, again, the foundation here is that for our intelligence, our ability to think is from the fact that the breath of God is in us. If he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be able to think the way we can think, okay? You don't have to agree with it. I'm just saying that's one of the premise that I'm using today to build off of. The third one is one that I don't have a sermon from this series to tell you. I just have a verse. So number three, hearing the Holy Spirit is not a skill. It's a sense. It's not a skill. It's a sense. Okay, and I'm basing that on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, which says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. 
If hearing the Holy Spirit was a skill, then it would be something that could be taught. Unfortunately, I cannot teach this to you. It is not a skill, it's a sense. A sense is sight. It is hearing. It is smell. I cannot teach you to do those things. I have a friend who cannot smell, which sounds awesome, but in reality, is not always awesome because I don't know how you know how much your smell affects your taste. And so her taste is affected as much as her smell is affected. But I cannot teach her to have that sense. I can't teach my kids to smell. I, it's something, however, because it's a sense, it can be developed. It can't be taught, but it can be developed. Here's what I mean by that. I, my, my, I, I've never been sprayed by a skunk. Who in here has been sprayed by a skunk? Okay. Just, just one or two people? God bless you. I am so sorry. I've never been sprayed by a skunk. I've never actually seen a skunk spray something. I take on faith that that's a bad thing. Okay? Like, but I have smelled a skunk plenty of times. When you're driving down the highway, when you're driving down the road, the reason why I, I think that that's a skunk, number one, is normally when you smell that, you'll see a dead skunk. Somewhere along the way, if you smell the skunk, you often will see one dead in the middle of the road, right? But I know that that smell was a skunk because my parents told me that's the smell of a skunk. So then smelling the skunk, I began to identify the skunk. When I first told my kids, my, we were driving, Asher was in the car and uh, he, he goes, he's a little, little kid, right? So, so I go, oh, that's the smell of a, a skunk. And he goes, stunk. And I said, that is a really good name for it, sir. A stunk. But now he knows the smell of a skunk because he smelled the skunk and someone told him that's the smell of the skunk. So now he can identify it, right? It is the same for the Holy Spirit. You cannot be taught the sense of the Holy Spirit. But if you are spiritual, and if you hear the Holy Spirit and someone says to you, that is the Holy Spirit, then the next time you hear the Holy Spirit, you may be able to cue in just a little bit better on it. Does that make sense? So here's the premises again. Well, number one, the Holy Spirit is the image of God in humanity. Number two, he is the source of our wisdom and intelligence. And number three, hearing the Holy Spirit is not a skill. It is a sense. You don't have to agree with those premises. I just want you to know what they are. You might agree with one and two, but not three. That's okay. Here's the conclusions I draw based on these things. Number one, the Spirit speaks to everyone. Some tune him in and some tune him out. Some tune him out, some tune him in. If the Holy Spirit is the image of God in humanity, if he is the source of all of our our wisdom and intelligence, then he is unavoidable. He is, though, ignorable. He is unavoidable, but he is also ignorable. All you need is an excuse to believe whatever you want to believe. All you need is plausible reason to believe what you want to believe. For people who do not want to believe the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all they need is just a little bit of reason not to believe it. All you need to do, if you don't want to accept anything we have to say, is just say everything Christians do is old-fashioned and dumb. It doesn't matter how true it is. It doesn't matter how obvious it is. It doesn't matter that maybe they've never asked the question of evil and they've never asked the question of what happens after death. It doesn't matter if you have just a reason, well, that's old-fashioned and dumb. You can write off all of Christianity just by saying that, right? For some, they would just say, you know what? The Big Bang and Charles Darwin is all I need to explain all of life and creation and everything else. Plausible deniability is just give me enough reason to believe what I want to believe, and then I don't have to hear anything you have to say, okay? So it is easy to tune the spirit out. It takes effort to tune the spirit in. 
It's easy. All you got to do is not want to hear it, and then you can just shut it off. But it is something to pay attention to and to tune into that takes far more effort. So the Spirit speaks to everyone. Some, some tune him out and some tune him in. Second conclusion, it is easy to confuse our own thoughts and the Holy Spirit. It's easy to confuse our own thoughts and the Holy Spirit, which makes a ton of sense, right? If you accept what I said earlier, if the Holy Spirit is the image of God inside of us, then he has been with us since before birth, which means that, and if he's the source of our intelligence and our wisdom, then we are used to reasoning and thinking things through from a very young age. And if the Holy Spirit is underlying that, then sometimes it would be easy to confuse our own thoughts, our own conclusions, our own um, intelligence, or, or, or kind of thinking through something with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? Okay, cool. So I've just got one more of these, and then we'll move on. Third conclusion is this. Hearing the Holy Spirit can be developed. It can't be taught, but it can be developed. Have you ever been in a restaurant with a friend, and you're eating, and your friend says, oh, I love this song? And up until then, you had no idea music was even playing. But as soon as they say that, all of a sudden, you can't stop hearing the song that's playing over the speaker. Have you ever had that happen to you? Or, or maybe they smell something, and they say, whoa, what is that smell? And you hadn't even smelled it before, but now all of a sudden, you can't not smell it, right? Or, or maybe you see something, or they see something, and they say, hey, look at that. And then now you can't stop looking away, but you didn't see it even before. That's how it is with the Holy Spirit. Like, he may be speaking something to you, and you might totally miss it until you get cued in on it. And the moment you get cued in on it, then you're locked in, and the next time you're more likely to catch it. Does that make sense? So it may not be uh, something that can be taught, but it is something that can be developed. If you're listening for it, it is much easier to recognize his voice. So there's the premises that, I, that builds everything, conclusions, all that I came to. Now here's what I want to do to help us to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want to read the times in the Bible where it says the Holy Spirit says something. There's lots of times where it says God says something, thus says the Lord. There's lots of times where it says Jesus says something. I want to specifically read some of the occasions where it says the Holy Spirit says or the Holy Spirit said something. Deal? Okay, there's like 15 of them, 15 to 20, um, depending on the translation, right? Um, we're going to read five, just five. We're just going to lock in on like five of the times where it says the Holy Spirit says something. I'm, I'm going to specifically focus in on some in the, in the New Testament instead of just the Old Testament because we've been there. Now we're going to move into the New Testament. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, that is why the Holy Spirit says, see, the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit said, that's what we're looking for. That is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit says, the writer of Hebrews does this two times. He does it here, and then he does it in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 15. When he says it here, it says, the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes from Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15, it says, the Holy Spirit says, and there he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31. So from that, I would say this, to sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, read the Bible. It's not a cop-out. It's not like I'm going to say, read the Bible and pray and come to church. That's not what I'm going to say today. But very much, if you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, start by reading this. If you want to know what he sounds like, read this. And often, the 
Best way you will ever hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is by opening this up and reading what it says. If you want to know his voice here, know his voice here. I want to be transparent with you for a moment. And this might make some people leave praise, and I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not that sorry. I'm a little sorry. I don't like Taylor Swift. Hey, 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 hey. No, 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 no. I don't not like Taylor Swift. It just so happens I've never actually heard Taylor Swift. I know. This is, I mean, some of you are just devastated. I've, I know one song from when I was a youth pastor and trying to be relevant, and I knew that I had to shake it off. That was the only song I've ever heard of Taylor Swift's, okay? So if you want to enculturate your pastor, what you really ought to do is for the next three weeks, send me a song from Taylor Swift every single day. But you better make sure that it's the type of song you should be sending to your pastor, okay? Like, I'm just saying. But so, so maybe I have heard lots of Taylor Swift, I just have no idea because I've never actually had somebody say, that's Taylor Swift. I might be hearing Taylor Swift. Did we do any Taylor Swift songs in worship today? No? Okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we did. I've never, I've never. So I don't know what she sounds like. I know what she looks like. All you have to do is watch a Chiefs game for like five minutes and you've seen her 14 times but I have no idea what she sounds like. Because I don't know what she sounds like, I don't know if I have heard her. Does that make sense? So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit sounds like, this is a really great place to learn. And not only that, not only that, what I love about it is when you open this thing up time and time and time again, more than just the words on the page, you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you. And, and even these passages in Hebrews, neither of those passages were written to these people on this day. It was, however, applied by the Holy Spirit to the people of that day. And that is exactly what happens when you open up scripture. The Holy Spirit will speak to you deeply from the scripture and you will learn what his voice is like. I, I just this week, I was wrestling with some very deep things, really about Pentecost. I was wrestling with them and, and really trying to chew through what ought this to look like. Because I've heard a lot of people who say, this is what this sort of thing should look like. I, I'm not afraid of the, of the label Pentecostal. In fact, I embrace it fully. I, I also, though, would say, if I had to define what pe being Pentecostal means, it is fully embracing and pursuing the gifts that God offers to his people. That's what I believe deeply. And so I'm wrestling with all of these things and I was praying about this. And so I just opened up scripture to see what does this say? Because I have heard people say, here's what being a Pentecostal is. Being a Pentecostal is just signs and wonders and knowing Jesus Christ. In other words, just know Jesus Christ and then the signs and wonders that accompany that. And they take that from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And so I just opened up to that passage and I said, God, I just, I want to know what does it deeply mean? And here's what that passage says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters... I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not or trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. He says, when I first showed up in Corinth, here's what I did. I decided, you know what? I'm not gonna try to persuade them of anything. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna let the Holy Spirit do miracles. And then I'm gonna talk to him about Jesus Christ. He said, that's all I did, okay? And some people say that's what Pentecostalism is. But Paul doesn't stop there. 
he keeps writing. He says this next. Yet, when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That passage right there, that verse right there is a always used or often used in funerals. It's actually also the very first verse I ever preached on. Terrible sermon. Great verse. He says here, if you keep reading, that I, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. What is he saying? He said, there are things that you have not seen. There are things that you have not heard, but the Holy Spirit can speak those things to you. The things that you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, those things that have been hidden away are revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecostalism. It is not just signs and wonders and knowing Jesus Christ. It is a deep communion and revelation of the Holy Spirit to every single one of us. This is what it means to embrace fully what the Holy Spirit has for us. It should make a difference, not just in this room. It should make a difference in every room of our lives. I believe that deeply. And I want that for all of us. And I want to embrace it. But that includes listening to and listening for the Holy Spirit. This is not only wonders, it is also wisdom. It includes words of wisdom and deep mysteries of God and deep revelation by the Holy Spirit. It is a fusion of that wonder and wisdom. This passage deeply convicted me this week. It also confirms some things for me this week. Well, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit. Because I read this passage and the Holy Spirit spoke deeply to me right where I'm at this week through this passage. And that's how it works. When you open up the word of God, it allows the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Okay? So that's the first time. All right, Acts chapter 13. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 13 there. Another passage where it says the Holy Spirit says something. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more prayer, or fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. How did the Holy Spirit speak here? We're not entirely sure. It is really very interesting that specifically the Holy Spirit speaks about two people, Barnabas and Saul, right? But in spite of the fact that really there's two people here that the Holy Spirit is speaking about, we are given five names. There's five names, and the Holy Spirit's only speaking about two of them. So it shouldn't we just have been introduced to, because it's more than just five people here. This is an entire church. But in that, we are given five names, and it's really about two people. So why not just give us the two important names? Well, the answer to that is that every one of the names is important. So most likely what happens here, based on my own experience and what I've seen in Scripture, most likely what happens here is that one of those other names steps up and says, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, Set aside Barnabas and Saul. And maybe one of the other ones said, I hear that as well. They are appointed for something very specific. 
And then maybe there's prayer and fasting. And then the third steps forward and says, they are supposed to go out. Let's send them on their way. So to sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, listen to Spirit-filled believers. As I was wrestling with this thing this week, I didn't just dive into Scripture. I called somebody very specific that I know is Spirit-filled and has specifically the gift of wisdom. Among other gifts, and I, I just asked them, hey, man, I'm really struggling with this this week. What do, you, what do you think about this? And I allowed that person to speak into the situation. This is the beauty of Pentecost. The beauty of Pentecost is that you are not alone, that you are surrounded by believers who know the voice of the Spirit as well, and you allow them to speak into your situation. This week, I had a, a, some car problems. And so um, I, I had to go get some repairs done. And so first thing I do is I talk to my buddy, um, Mikey Daly, who's also my small group leader, who owns Asby Automotive on Glenstone. And I said, Mikey, here's some of the things that I'm dealing with. And he said, here's what I think it is. And I said, that's what I think it is too. Because <laughs> I didn't really know. But I actually, I did have a little bit of an idea. And I allowed him to speak into it. So then I called the repair place. And um, they said, well, we think it's this. And I said, I had to actually, Tesla, and so I had to go up to Kansas City to get the thing repaired. And so I called them, and I had just gone and dropped it off, and normally they'll come up to me. It's not long story. Anyways, and they tell me, no, it's something else. And I said, I talked to Mikey Daly. <laughs> and he said, oh, we don't know Mikey Daly. And I said, I know you don't, but I do. And I, I said, that's not what it is. It's this other thing. And it turns out they were wrong. I was wrong too, but... <laughs> But they were wrong. That's the important part. You allow other people to speak into it. This, it is not just that one situation where I had a believer, a spirit-filled believer, speak into it. I also, just in the last several weeks, have had a spirit-filled, several spirit-filled believers speak to me about something else. And I hear the voice of the Spirit through them. And sometimes it's a confirmation and sometimes it's not, and you have to think about it and pray about it and say, does that feel right? And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But you do need to listen to other Spirit-filled believers if you want to know the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself. So, number one, um, uh, open up the Bible. Number two, listen to other people who are Spirit-filled believers, and you will, through them, hear that voice of the Holy Spirit. I want to flip over to Acts chapter 21. Uh, over in Acts chapter 21, this happens again. Acts chapter 21 is uh, toward the end of um, Paul's ministry travels, and he's getting ready to head back to Jerusalem. And there he stops in Caesarea in Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Here's what it says. The next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, he took Paul's belt, and he bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit says, or declares, here in the New Living Translation, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. There is so much going on here, right? Like, so Paul stays at this house where there's four prophets in it. But the Holy Spirit doesn't use any one of those four, which he could have. Instead, he has another guy named Agabus come from Judea and tell Paul, first, he takes off his belt, which don't ever try to prophesy to me by taking my belt off. But then he binds his own hands. And prophets in the Old Testament were weirder than this, okay? So he binds his own hands and he says, hey, Paul, you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound and you will be handed over to Gentiles. And this is what happens. And so immediately then, all the Spirit-filled believers go, don't go to Jerusalem, which is not what the Holy Spirit said. 
It's not what he said. He said, if you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound. So they're pleading with him. And Paul's like, dude, quit. I am going to Jerusalem no matter what happens. And I'm okay with being bound and being handed over. And he said, so don't stop me. And then they all go, all right, well, cool. So sometimes it is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's not. And you have to weigh for yourself whether or not it fits with what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you. I will also say this from this passage. I believe if there is one area where the assemblies of God is not getting it right right now, it is with the prophetic. And by that, I mean us. Because we've reduced the prophetic to a person in service giving a prophetic word. And that is not what I see in scripture. Often it's in times of prayer. Someone says, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying this, and it's a prophetic word. But the problem is, you have had enough people give you prophetic words who were nutcases. I have. I get letters all the week from people I do not know from all over the United States saying this is a prophetic word to all the churches and they just mail it out to everybody. This is what happens as a pastor. And you get enough of those and you're like, yee. And so some people say, hey, that whole prophecy thing, that ended when the Bible was closed, right? But that's not what we see in scripture. But there needs to be an openness and a willingness to embrace and for people to speak in. We need to be willing to hear, okay? All right, cool. That's not a prophetic word, I'm just saying. And sometimes it may even look a little foolish, like this, taking off Paul's belt and then binding his hands. But be open. Do not despise prophecy. Do not despise it. Cool. Let me give you another verse. I'm getting close now. Better be getting close. Acts chapter 10, verse 19. This is right after Peter has that vision where there's the sheet and there's all the animals on it, right? So that happens. And immediately afterwards in verse 19, it says, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. I love this passage because it says that Peter is puzzling over the vision. That word is not used anywhere else, but it means like he stopped and he was thinking about it, thinking deeply about it. He was contemplating what in the world does this mean? Why I love this so much is because in the Gospels, Peter was not the most contemplative. The Peter of the Gospels would have had this vision and gone downstairs and started cooking some bacon up. Right? You say something, I respond. That was Peter. But because of the development happening inside of him, now when there is this massive vision he has, he is stopping and he is thinking and he is praying and he is contemplating. He is taking the time to think it through. To sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, shut up. Silence and solitude are fertile ground for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Stop and listen. And this is, this, is my, this is my thing now. Like this didn't used to be my thing in many ways. It was very much like Peter. I used to be like, you say it, I'm gonna do it. Now, there is normally for me, even when I know that it's the Holy Spirit, I just need to, I need to stop and I need to pray and I need to think about it and I need to contemplate because this is how the Holy Spirit has developed something in me and allowing that space for the Holy Spirit to continue to speak, it often will happen in silence and solitude and giving space 
for him. I don't need to say any more about that. Just shut up. Okay, let me give one more when the Spirit speaks. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Uh, this is uh, after uh, uh, the, there's the big persecution in Jerusalem. Philip heads out. And um, he goes to Samaria, and in Samaria, he preaches the gospel. Many people come, respond. The Holy Spirit's poured out. There's this great, incredible just thing that happens there. There's obvious that the Holy Spirit's doing something. And then Philip has an angel appear to him and say, leave and go down to the road to Gaza. So off Philip goes. And while he's there, apparently in the middle of the desert, um, in the middle of the day, it says, verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Someone was just telling me that this is one of their favorite passages in scripture. One of their favorite stories. And there's a reason why. I love this story as well. And I've preached on it multiple times. The reason why I love this story is in this story, you find every way that God might lead a person. It's all the way through the story. But what is interesting to me is that this is the first time it says that the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. And we're already three quarters of the way through the story. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip for the first time. There was an angel Already, I mean, like, and if Philip had not been obedient on step one and step two and step three, he would not have gotten here. If you want to sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, obey his voice. This is probably up there with opening the Bible. Be obedient to what he has said. See, here's what's really interesting about it. For Philip, when he was in Jerusalem, when there's the outbreak of persecution and he leaves, he goes down to Samaria and he begins to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Where is the revelation telling him to do that? It doesn't tell us here in Acts. He is remembering what Jesus previously spoke to him. So he remembers that Jesus said, hey, preach this, share this, make disciples in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And he shows up in Samaria and he goes, oh, I remember when Jesus said that. I know what I should do while I'm here. I'm gonna share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if he hadn't been obedient with that, he would not have made it to step three. If you think the Holy Spirit will give you step three, four, and five before you're obedient to step number one, you're wrong. If you want to know and hear and recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, be obedient with those things that you already know to be true. And what is a perfect example of that? If you are not obeying this, you're not gonna hear the Holy Spirit on a daily basis because he has spoken clearly here. The word of Jesus Christ is clear here. If you're not obeying that, then he's not gonna be speaking to you on a daily basis or you're not gonna recognize his voice on a daily basis. Obey step one, obey step two, obey step three, and you'll get to step four, and you will know through that process so much better the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. So be obedient. When the Spirit tells you to do something, do it. And if you're not 100% sure it's him, run it through a simple matrix. What's the worst that can happen if I'm wrong? What's the worst that can happen? And if it's not like something really, really bad. If you're not sure, go for it anyways. The other day I was going up to the hospital and as I was walking up, man, I just felt like this very moment with Philip, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go walk next to that guy. No more instruction than that. And I'm like, okay. 
So I just fallen beside this guy, and I could tell he was struggling a little bit physically, like he was walking a little slower. So I mean, like I'm, I'm like walking fast. Like that's I want to get in. I want to be see the people who I'm there for. I'm not, I'm not like gonna stroll slowly through. I don't want to enjoy the exterior of the hospital as I go. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Fall in beside that guy," and so I did. I just fell in and I walked alongside of him and I said, "Hey man, how's it going?" And uh, he goes, "Eh." I said, oh, yeah, I guess you're probably not at the hospital based on having a great day, right? Like, that's not, people aren't typically here for that reason. And, and he said, no. And I said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, my wife, Brenda. And I said, she's in the hospital? And he said, yeah. And I said, what's going on? And he said, something with her lungs. She's got double pneumonia, and it's, it's really not looking good. And I said, can we just stop right now and pray? So there on the sidewalk, right outside the hospital, we just stopped, and I grabbed his hands, and we prayed. I talked to him about Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have gotten there if I wouldn't have taken the dumb little step of walking next to him. But as soon as I got close, I just knew, you're just supposed to ask how he's doing. And then I knew, it was obvious, pray with him. And it was obvious, tell him that Jesus Christ loves him and loves Brenda. Those things are obvious, but I wouldn't get there if I didn't take the first step. Be obedient with the first step, and you'll get to the second step, and continue to be obedient. Every time you respond in obedience and you see God working as a result of it, it will reinforce the sound and what it sounds like for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, just be obedient. Even if it sounds dumb, be obedient. If, if, if you're not even sure, if it's not like you're going to end up dead as a result of it. Take the step, see what happens, and continue to pursue, and the Holy Spirit will make his voice all the more obvious to you. Amen? So obey. All right, let me give you some honorable mentions, and then we're going to have some worship time. Honorable mentions. Number one, to sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, honor God. To sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice, show gratitude. I get both of those from Romans chapter one, where there's this whole downward spiral there, and it, it becomes like this, hey, here's how they got harder and harder to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Here's how it, it, it worked out where humanity has moved further and further away from who God is and pursuing him and seeking him. And what does it begin with? They did not honor God or thank him. If you are like, man, I, I, I don't hear the voice of the Spirit. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Go upstream because somewhere along the line, it may be that you are not honoring God or thanking him for the good gifts that he has given you. And if you start there, I guarantee you, you will hear more clearly the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Go upstream. Be, be uh, like honor God. Be grateful for the good gifts that he has given you. And he has given you many good gifts. And as you show gratitude, I believe the Holy Spirit will become more clear. Sharpen your sense for the Spirit's voice. Seek more of him. The Holy Spirit speaks and anyone can hear him if they are open to it. I have no doubt that God wants people to hear the Holy Spirit's voice in their lives. And if you seek him and pursue him, no matter what percentage you find yourself in, the 81 or the 10 or the 9, doesn't matter where you are in that journey, the answer should be the same. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And as you pursue that, as you press into knowing him, he will speak more clearly to you or you will hear more clearly his voice. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are sons of God, right? And you got, there is more potential to hear from him. So then let's say Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be even a little bit more clearer. And then as you're pursuing him daily and seeking him, and more of whatever he has for you that day, it will be even more clear. All the way through the process as we pursue and press in and get to know him more, it just makes sense that we will hear the Holy Spirit even more and more. So no matter where you are, seek more of what he has for your life, and you will more clearly hear his voice. Amen? All right, cool. Let me end with this passage. 
Because this verse, I think, is ultimately, this is another one of those, the Holy Spirit says moments. And this verse, I think, is at the core of what this series really ultimately is about. It's from the very end. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. This verse, I just believe, is at the core of this series. And I love it because, first it says, the spirit and the bride, which we've previously talked about is the church. The spirit and the church say, come. So the Spirit is speaking, and the church joins with what the Spirit is speaking. So then, for somebody who is far from God, maybe they've heard that Holy Spirit speaking to them, and they think, I'm hearing something. But then along with the Holy Spirit, the church stands up and says, come. We join with what the Spirit is saying. It's beautiful. And then the church is saying what the Spirit is saying, and people hear that. And deeply inside of them, they are hearing that, man, I think I need to come. Like, I I think I need to go. I think I need to respond. And then the church is joining with it. And then that's not all. It says, let everyone who hears this say, come. So the Spirit says, come. The church says, come. And then anybody else who hears any of that joins with and says the same thing. So that's like all of us. So like the spirit is saying, come. And then the church joins in with what the spirit is saying and says, come. And then you and I and everybody else who hears the voice of the spirit and the voice of the church also join in and repeat what has been said. And we all say to our circles, come. He's got something for you, come. And then after all of those voices, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. This is the Spirit's voice to the world. This is the church's voice to the world. This is your and my and everybody else who has responded anywhere along joins with in also saying the exact same thing. This is our response. 